I love you guys so much, and I'm so grateful for the friendship that I have with you and our team is experienced. Uh, just love your leaders so much. You might not know this, your leaders, your whole team is really generous with their time. And so I have a bunch of leaders out here who are just hanging out and learning from the grace God's given you and what's going really well here. And uh, I'm your, your biggest fan. Pray for you guys a ton. It's a delight to be with you. It's a real joy. So, hey, thank you for welcoming and thank you for your prayer. I'm going to read four passages. Let's launch in. Four passages from the Bible. These are on the screen. The first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. From 1 Corinthians 8. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, that there is no God but one. For for although there may be so-called gods in heaven on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. From Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Hmm. Lastly, 1 Peter 2. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. This is God's word. We Americans love freedom. We love freedom. Our freedom's hard won, right? We had to fight a war to be free. Men and women have died defending our freedom and risked their lives daily defending our freedoms. Freedom is hard won. We rightly look at other countries and consider their freedom or lack of it. China's been doing some weird stuff recently, politically reigning in some freedoms. And a couple weeks ago, they made the sale of uh, Bibles online illegal. Now, the only place that a Bible can be bought in China is at a church bookshop. We rightly evaluate the freedoms and lack of freedoms of other countries. And there's been tough lessons in history, right? Our past century was full of tyrants that started wars, killed millions of people to take away freedom. And we've been singing about freedom ever since the beginning of our country. The high point of our national anthem, the high note that can get a little awkward where you're like rooting for the person before the hockey game. The, the high point is the land of the free. And I, I did a quick iTunes search. So many songs about freedom and free fallen with Tom Petty. We're rocking the free world with Neil Young. And it's fun to tap your foot to, with Pharrell Williams singing about freedom. What could possibly be wrong with freedom? Question I want to ask as we begin this, is God loving to us and actually freeing us when he says to worship him alone? When God says, have no other gods before me, is that for our freedom or does it actually threaten it? It's going to be, uh, I'm going to 
posit that there's, gonna be, there's kind of a weird American knee-jerk reaction to when God says, have no other God before me. What's up with that? How, what is, how could freedom possibly be bad? Now, we're in, this is the second week of a series we're calling American Gods. And here's the thing about gods. They're made of good stuff. They're made of good stuff. There's a famous idol in the Old Testament. It's called the golden calf. And that was because it's made of gold. I'm obviously a Bible expert. I was able to figure that out. Golden calf was made of gold. (laughs) Idols are made of good things. We can be tempted to live for our stuff and our possessions because God has made great stuff really cool things in the world to enjoy. Uh, Sex is a great gift, and yet it's a bad God. Yet there's pull there to all different kinds of pleasures because those pleasures are good and powerful and right when they're properly enjoyed. A career is a great gift. If you've got got a, a, a great career, that's a great gift, but it's actually a bad God. Idols... False gods are made from good things. They're made from good things that are meant to be gifts, but actually are very bad for us when they become gods. How could freedom be bad? How could freedom possibly be bad? Preacher guy, what are you going to tell us that's bad about freedom? First, first part of the sermon, three things wrong with the false god of freedom. What's wrong with the god of freedom? How Three ways that the false god of freedom could hurt you. And this is the American notion. Um, We're honing in on this because it's sort of the only collective good we have left. It's the only thing we can agree on politically. And the sense that, look, we're called to be free and I need to choose my own meaning, choose my own purpose. I'm free to make life about what I want to make it about It's this extreme version of freedom that can go south. What's wrong with the God of freedom? Three things. The the first is this. The false God of freedom blinds us to the real gods we have chosen. The false God of freedom blinds us to the real gods we have chosen. Now, there might be some people here this morning, look, I'm not religious. I wouldn't really say I have gods. We're so glad you're here. So glad you're here. And an argument we're going to be making during this series is that, look, it's not that Americans are less religious. Uh, we just worship our gods a different way, and we're often blind to them. We're on, often blind to what our life revolves around, and that makes the gods even scarier. American gods exist. They're just not obvious. American gods exist. They're hidden in plain sight. Last week, Josh kicked off this series, and he mentioned Paul's visit to Athens which he notes, look, the city's full of idols. The city's full of temples. You've got the um, temple dedicated to Athena, the goddess of wisdom. You've got the temple dedicated to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. A temple for the god of war, Ares. A temple to the god of fertility and wealth, Artemis. And so he can rightly say, I see you're very religious. You have all these temples. And we can look down on these ancient people and we can think, wow, that's kind of primitive to have gods like that. Actually, every culture has gods. That's what our biggest buildings are about. That's what our biggest celebrations are about. Our strength. If we look to our money 
as our deepest sign that we're okay for our ultimate security. You have a God. If you look to beauty, perpetual youth, and it drives you at the gym, if that's what your life revolves around, you have a God. If it's a certain comfort, Josh asked the question this way last week, what's your life about? Another way to ask it is, what does your life revolve around? Now, we'd like to think, I think in this cultural moment, we'd like to think, look, I'm just on the journey. It's about the experience. I'm not trying to make my life around a specific religious system. I'm just living, man. I'm having experiences. And it's like we're imagining ourselves on a journey through space in a spaceship, but we're actually blind to the fact that our lives actually do revolve around certain things. There's unseen gravitational pull. Unseen gravitational pull. And if we live for certain pleasures, sometimes those become addictions straight up. That invisible tractor beam becomes seen. If you live for your job and end up doing child sacrifice and sacrificing relationships and family and time that you should really give to your kids and you're hurting them that way, actually, your life, you're, you're not just on a free experience. Your life, you're in a tractor beam, man. You're in an orbit. Your life revolves around your job or around that pleasure. Because we've so, we think we've freely chosen these gods, they're actually become invisible to us. David Foster Wallace was quoted last week. I'll quote him again this week. This is, this is his insight. The, the insidious thing about these things that we live for is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. David Foster Wallace said, the things that actually we make our lives revolve around spiritually, what's dangerous about them, often we don't see them. This will be a series to help you see what your real gods are. This will be a series to help you see. And you can consider, what will living, at, with this at the center of my life, what will that do to me? What is it that Jesus calls me to? What is the freedom that Jesus calls me to? How is that different? The God of freedom hides the fact that we actually have deeper gods. The God of freedom, the God of the false God of freedom, just living to be free, can actually confuse you as to what your life truly does revolve around. So we're going to keep on saying, look, everybody's religious. Everyone's spiritual. We're just, even if it's not part of some official religion, everyone's spiritual and your life actually does revolve around certain things. Those are your gods and those gods will shape you. Second thing, about the false God of freedom. The false God of freedom doesn't say what we are for. The false God of freedom doesn't say what we're for. And here's what I mean. Americans, because of our unique historic, because of our history and our story and the oppression, um, the, the way that our country started, we only think of freedom as freedom from, not freedom for. Uh, I'm going to quote a sociologist by the name of Robert Bella, wrote a famous book called Habits of the Heart, Individualism and Community in American Life. And he's talking about uh, the change in how we connect in community and in society and 
how we think about freedom. And this is what Robert Bella says about how, about how Americans think about freedom. Americans think of freedom very much as freedom from, from people who have economic power over you. That was Great Britain, right, in the beginning. From people who try to limit what you can do or say. It's only freedom from, but it leaves the question, what are we free for? What are we for? I recently uh, received this in the mail, and I opened it at the office and threw away the packaging and instructions, because you don't need that. And then I was like, what is this? (laughs) Is this a, is it like a furniture pad? It kind of looks like the furniture pad you put on the couch so you don't scratch a hardwood. Is that what it is? Is it for a, a cold beverage of some kind? Is it a display for vintage Star Wars figures? I don't have those. I'm just making stuff up here. What is this for? What is it for? And I actually, well, I don't, I opened it up. I threw away the stuff. I don't know what it's for. It turns out it's a wireless cell phone charger. It's like for the new iPhone. Now, if I didn't know what it was for, you know, I could make up stuff, right? At best, there would be some lost potential. I'm not charging my iPhone. I'm using it as a coaster. That's some lost potential, right? Worst, I'll break it. If I use it as a coaster, I'd bust it. I didn't know what it was for. It led to breakdown. It led to harm. I broke it. We're meant to know what we're for. We're meant to know what we're for. The call to worship at the beginning of the service had that passage From Colossians, all things were created through him and for him. Think about the 1 Corinthians passage again. Hey, there's many gods and many lords, yet for us, there's one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. We exist for him. We're free for something. See, in the gospel, no matter what, What you've done last night or this week, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter if you've raged against God, hated God, cursed God, lived for yourself and denied God, not thanked him, and hurt yourself and other people. In the gospel, Jesus calls us into a freedom, into a relationship of deep forgiveness, and it's into a story and a destiny. You know the the fairy tales that have doors in them where you enter the story? Through the looking glass, you enter the story. The gospel is a story you're allowed to enter. You become part of it. And Jesus says, you have a destiny. You're not an accident. There is a plan for you. Before the world was created, I knew you. This is why Jesus would sometimes meet people and rename them, just not something anyone else should do, right? You don't meet them and name them. You look like a Doug. Doug to me. You are now Doug. (laughs) Jesus met people and named them, and it's actually a promise. The book that ends the scriptures, part of the victory that we participate in, is that One day, if you're connected to Jesus, you will be given a name. And it's so special, 
Only you and God will know that name. You're created for something. You're created for something. We're going to talk about what that something is. And I, I think in this cultural moment, this gap is being filled. We, not knowing what we're for has left a huge gap culturally. No one knows how to live. Would you think a book about rules for life would become a bestseller? In the land of the free, where we, we can do whatever we want, and that's what we think of freedom. Freedom, it means I can do whatever I want, whatever I want to do. Do you think we'd love a book where the title is a book about rules for life? Um, just a few weeks ago, the most sold and most read book that week was this book by Jordan B. Peterson, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. It's the third best-selling book on Amazon for 2018. Um, was number one for a little bit. 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. What's the gap that that's trying to fill? If you don't know what you're for, uh, you don't know, yeah, what are my gifts for? What's life about? What are relationships for and money for and my, uh, my abilities for and what is sex for and what are relationships for? You don't know what anything's for and it leaves a gap and it leads to chaos. The God of freedom can't tell you what you're for. And in this cultural moment, you have to make up all that stuff on your own. You decide what your own meaning is and what your own destiny is and what your own purpose is. And it sounds like words in front of a mirror because really that's all it is. The false God of freedom leaves you with a gap. doesn't tell you what you're for. Thirdly, the false God of freedom hides the fact we're meant for love and called to community. The false God of freedom obscures that. That this is what we're called to. We're meant for love. We're called into relationship. Now, I, I think talking about community in this cultural moment is like being at a junior high dance. This is how. At a junior high dance, what's everyone, everyone secretly want to do? You want to be out on the floor. You want to be lost in the music. You want it to be awesome. You want it to be like something you've seen in a music video. But at the junior high dance, everyone's hugging the walls with their hands behind their back, staring at their shoes, waiting for other people to make the first move. And in our highly individualistic society, our instincts are becoming worse and worse about really connecting with other people and creating community and being in community. Um, One of the ways that this works out in the church, one of the hard things is if you've been hurt by other people in church, you can come in and have reflex reactions that are bad. I've been in a lot of car accidents. Most of them were my fault in high school when I thought I was like a stunt driver. I was not. I wrecked all the time. But what that led to is like often when I'm a passenger, I'm flinching all the time because of the past bruise-ups, right? And some of us come in the church flinching because of those past bruise-ups. But look, you're not going to be fulfilled elsewhere. We're actually made for community and relationship. This guy, Jonathan David Haidt, uh, he's a professor of ethical leadership at New York University's Stern School of Business, and he wrote a book called The Happiness Hypothesis. What makes people happy? What does science say? Uh, the subtitle is Putting Ancient Wisdom and Philosophy to the Test of Modern Science. And he talks about, actually, relationships. 
relationships strong, relationships with other people, they help us in a ton of ways. They actually, quote, help us, help them, people, strengthen the immune system, extend life even more than quitting smoking, speeds recovery from surgery, reduces the risks of depression and anxious anxiety disorders. We need, quote, to interact and intertwine with other people. We need to give and take. We need to belong. What's punishment in jail? Solitary confinement. Now, um, he's not um, a Christian, and he's just like, this is the research. He thinks there's a danger in how Americans think about freedom. This is what he says. Quote, an ideology of extreme personal freedom can be dangerous because it encourages people to leave homes, jobs, cities, marriages, in search of personal and professional fulfillment, thereby breaking the relationships that were probably their best hope for such fulfillment. In the name of freedom, I'm going to go be free and do me. I am going to go do what will give me life. Or actually walk away from the relationships that give life meaning. Where are the two big commands in the Bible? How does Jesus sum it up? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. It's about relationships. I lock, I've been helped by talking to people who are older and spent years in ministry or years in business and said, what would you have done different? What does almost everybody say? Everyone says, I wish I spent more time with family and friends. No one says, I wish there was more time at the office. Never heard that. It's about relationships. The God of freedom hides that from us. And there's objective reality. There's reality that will set us free, truth that will set us free. Chad preached about that at Easter. Jesus spoke about the truth that will set us free and knowing him and being connecting to him. There's objective things that we're made for. We tell kids, and there's good parts of this, that they can do anything. You can be anything you want to be. And that's That needs to be said when a kid's afraid and there's some obstacle that they need to overcome. Look, you can do it. We believe in you. There's a right way to say that. There's also a way that that, it cannot be helpful. Uh, Key and Peele, the comedian duo, he uh, honed in on this. They have this video where the basketball players just got the winning shot. He's won the game in the championship. He's being interviewed in the locker room. Hey, you made the shot. You won the game. What do you want to say to America? Kids, you can do anything you want to. That part sounds great. Kids, get up on your roof. You can fly. You can really fly. Jump in the air off your roof. You can fly. Kids, run out on the highway. You can turn into a car like a transformer. You can do anything. And they're zoning in on the fact, actually, there's objective reality. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. There's things that you're made for. There's truth about creation. There's truth about where you're from and what you're for. Certain things are going to cause you to flourish. Certain things aren't. Imagine if Usain Bolt grew up in Jamaica and loved horses and always wanted to be a jockey. Usain Bolt, fastest man in history. Um, World-class sprinter, obviously. Can you imagine if that was his dream To be a jockey, someone would have had to break it with him 
dude, I know this has been your dream. You're too big, and horses can't run fast with you riding them. <laughs> That's the reality. You would be terrible on that, right? It would be like you know, if it was my dream to be a sprinter. You know, no. Someone would tell me, no, look at the time. Okay, this is the reality. You're made for things. We are actually created to be known and love, to be known by God and know God. We are created to be loved by God and love God. We are created to love people and be loved by people. We are created to use our gifts in this world. We are created for things. And the, the false God of freedom saying we can define all of our own purposes It's just not true, and it hurts us. Now, how does Jesus free us? What does he do? Here's the thing that, um, this is why we're doing this series. False gods are bad for you. You can freely choose them, and it's actually good that there's freedom of religion. It's good people want to connect with spirituality, and the fact it's the law of our land, you do that as you see fit, that's good. Christians are for that. But false gods, putting Things that aren't meant to be God in the center of our lives hurt us, are offensive to our creator, and hurt people. To live for money hurts people in this world and will wreck you. Uh, To live for certain pleasures will only make you an addict. To make that the reason for your existence. And it brings condemnation. Now listen to this good news. Okay, False gods wreck us wreck others, they're offensive to God. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus did on the cross, Jesus paid for our false gods on the cross. Jesus paid the price for idolatry. That's what we, we confessed in that confession of sin. We admitted, man, we take God's gifts, we make them in the gods, we usually ruin the gift and we try to make that the meaning of our existence and it hurts us and the world and others and it's offensive to God. The good news is that Jesus has paid the price for all of that on his cross. There's now no condemnation. You are free. How are you free? You're free from condemnation in Jesus. It's all gone on him. He's gotten, he got smashed by God that you would be embraced by God. Isn't that good news? And you know what else? Jesus doesn't just free us from sin's guilt. He frees us from the tractor beam of power. We really are free. We're free. This, we can repent in an ongoing way. And anyone who's fought addiction knows this, that it's a battle. It's a day-by-day thing. It's making the same choices again and again. It's falling and going to God and receiving forgiveness and grace. And the power of that sin can lessen over time, and you're more and more free. What's our freedom for? Again, 1 Peter 2. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We're so free that the Bible multiple times has to tell us, look, this freedom is actually for the purpose of living as a free person, living as a servant of God in the world. It's not just to keep on doing crazy stuff. You are completely free from the guilt of sin, but we are not to use that freedom as a cover-up to just do whatever we want. Now, um, 
Think about the first commandment again. Have no other gods before me. Anyone else who says that, it would be creepy and weird. And that's why you recoil from it. If a spouse said that, the spouse, look, I am God in your life. I, you make all your decisions based on my desires. Creepy. If a company said that, hey, great, great to have you on the team. You're hired now. Uh, guess what? This company is the purpose of your life. And this is now what you're for and will be the controlling, organizing center of all your decisions. Creepy. Spine-tingling creepy. Weird. Um, Who is the God who says that to us? That's the first of the Ten Commandments. Listen to the verse before it. The verse before it sounds like this. God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Have no other gods before me. He says to his people, I'm the God who's freed you. And that's the freedom event of the Old Testament. God's people were literally slaves, and with dramatic power, they have to be brought out from that slavery. And God says, put me at the center of your life. All these other gods, all these other are are idols. They won't save you. They won't fix you. They won't help you. Don't put them at the center of your life. It points forward to a new and better Moses, Jesus Christ, the freedom event of the New Testament where Jesus comes and gives the world a deeper freedom. He gives us spiritual freedom. He pays for our sin. He rescues us from our deepest slavery. And Jesus, with nail-pierced hands, wins us over with love and reminds us, have no other gods before me. This American God series is a chance to say, to look again at what Jesus has rescued you from and to give yourself freely back to God. Look, how, look at the love that Jesus invites us with. Uh, we sang how deep the Father's love for us, reflecting on Jesus paid for a ransom, and then just saying over and over again, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? That's the God that we are commanded and, yes, invited to put at the center of our lives, and we actually become who we're meant to be. We become truly and fully and completely human. We leave our other slavery behind. And God exercises his power such that his people freely worship them. I'm going to put up here uh, a very famous psalm, Psalm 110, Jesus, it's quoted in the New Testament. Jesus quoted it. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. It's about God exalting Jesus. And in this psalm of power, this son who will make kings cringe, who will shatter kings, listen to how God's people offer themselves. Verse three, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. Your people will offer yourselves freely. Not because you have power, we're coerced, nose to the pavement, but because, God, your power, and look how you've exercised it to save us, to love us, to rescue us. Because you've exercised your power that way, we freely give ourselves to you. We use our freedom not as cover-ups for evil or to get ourselves in the orbit of new slaveries, but to live as servants of God and to do what God put us on this world to do together 
and in our unique spheres and our individual lives. How are you using the freedom Jesus has given you? How are you using your freedom? Do you know the freedom of Jesus? What's your life really revolving around?